gracious and loving God, we pray your spirit upon us this day that we may hear your word and know that it is true. We thank you for the ability to experience your word in scripture this day. Amen. Morning. First reading is from the Old Test- New Testament, uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The second reading is from the Old Testament, responsive, Psalm 150. The words will be on the screens. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Next reading is from the New Testament, Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom priests serving his God and Father, to be, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and on his account all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. And the fourth reading is also from the New Testament, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had this, said this, he, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put in it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Our next hymn is, uh, is a newer hymn within the, the collection of the uh, Book of Praise. Uh, the hymn, Jesus is Risen from the Grave, comes to us from the Iona community in Scotland. Um, and uh, every now and then you have hymns where the words are difficult and the tune is easy and sometimes you have where the other way around the words in this hymn are really easy so if you're not familiar with the tune you can concentrate on that what you're going to find is really you need to know about four words in each verse it just repeats so you can um, allow yourself to kind of uh, go in with the repetition of the words uh, and uh, maybe uh, concentrate a little bit more on uh, what may be a slightly newer tune for you. It's not a hard tune, but it is a newer tune. Um, the, first, the first two lines repeat themselves, so that's always easy uh, to, to uh, an easy help to, to, uh, to us in our singing. Um, and uh, as you grow more comfortable, uh, join in the singing of the hymn. Jesus is risen from the grave. We will sing verses 1 to 4 and verse 7. And this, the words for this hymn will appear before you on the screen. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus is real. How is it that you came to believe in Jesus Christ? That is the question that is at the heart of our worship this morning. Maybe you came to faith through the steadfast example of others. 
many of us, I think, who gather here today came to the church in that way. We can't remember a time when we did not believe. We were brought to church as a child by our parents. We went to Sunday school and we learned the stories of God. And then through time as we grew and matured both in our, in our uh, age but also in our faith. We learned the love and the purposes of God that lie behind those stories that we first learned in Sunday school. But that's not the only way we come to faith. For others, you may have come to faith after devastating disease or death. Something that shook your being to the very core and caused you to look beyond yourself for comfort and healing in body, mind, and spirit. And you found God was the answer to your prayer. For still others, perhaps your faith is the culmination of that long search for something that will pull all of those disparate pieces of your life together into one. Something that will make life make sense beyond the immediate and the everyday. Each of us has our story. Our story of how we moved from stories about Jesus to faith in the risen Christ. And the same is true for the disciples as we meet them this morning. Following the discovery of the empty tomb on that first Easter morning, each of Jesus' disciples had to determine the significance of that event for themselves. Each of them had to determine whether or not the risen Christ was real. Last week, we spoke about the first three people to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The beloved disciple, the one who raced to the tomb first. The one who John tells us believed but could not immediately go in to the tomb. We learned about Peter, the one who came second but burst into the tomb and took some to see all the was laid out there but took some time to put all of those pieces of the puzzle together and we had the story of Mary Magdalene last week who actually experienced the risen Christ and who went out and told others all that she had seen and heard as we pick up that story this morning with the passage that Ken read from uh, John chapter 20, we encounter the rest of the disciples, another group of disciples, but a group who has not yet accepted Jesus Christ as the risen Lord. There are so many barriers in this story for this group of disciples. John tells us that this is a group who was imprisoned. They were imprisoned by the door of the upper room that they had, had locked shut for fear of the, of the Jews. But they were also imprisoned by that fear. And while the celebration, while we celebrate the resurrection of Easter, for these first disciples in that upper room on that morning, theirs was not a celebration of the resurrection 
For this group of disciples, as we read this story, theirs was still the memory of Jesus suffering on the cross. They had run away for fear that they might be discovered as disciples of Jesus and similarly persecuted and tortured. And it's into that fear Jesus bursts forth, just as he had come from the tomb earlier in that day. And Jesus declares to these disciples that post-resurrection word of greeting, peace be with you. And then John records that Jesus shows them his wounds. He proves to these disciples that everything that they had seen and everything that they are experiencing now is real. Jesus' resurrection is not some sleight of hand. Over the years, there have been lots of people who have said lots of different things. Oh, maybe Jesus was given some sort of of strange drug that induced in him this death-like state so that he could be rescued from the cross and secreted away. No, this is Jesus. The one who really died on the cross on Good Friday. And this is the Jesus who stands before the disciples now, flesh and and blood, no ghostly apparition. Everything that happens here in this story today is proof that Jesus is real. And now, because of their experience of Jesus, all of the disciples knew that this was true. That Jesus was real. All except one. Thomas was not there. As Christians, I think we we have to feel for Thomas. Because Thomas has been remembered down the annals of history as doubting Thomas. When all that Thomas was really asking for in this reading that we hear today is the same experience that all of the other disciples had already had. He wanted to witness the wounds. He wanted to see the risen Christ. He wanted to know that it was real. And then John jumps us ahead a whole week. And he says, on the next week, the disciples were all gathered together again. And this time, Thomas was there. And as the disciples gathered once more, Jesus appears to them. And he gives them that same greeting. Peace be with you. And then he invites Thomas to his own encounter with the risen Lord. He invited him. Come and know That I am real. That all of this is real. For many of us, I think, the past two years have kind of felt maybe like that first Easter experience of the disciples. Surely there have been times when some of us have felt that we've kind of been locked away. Locked away maybe in fear, but locked away, I think, mostly in love as we have sought to keep others safe from disease. And for many in our world, that time apart has also been a time of searching. 
searching for meaning, searching for connection, searching for that purpose in life that only comes when we look beyond ourselves and toward God because goodness only knows we've spent a lot of time with ourselves. But for some, we've, they, that this has been an invitation to also be reflective of the I-thou experiences. The uh, 20th century theologian uh, Martin Buber uh, named it. That What is that relationship that exists between us and God? This has been a time when people have wanted an answer to that most basic of the questions of our Christian faith. Is Jesus real? Throughout its history, the church has gone, undergone many different changes that have required the church to look at itself in, in a new way. The church that we hear read in uh, John's gospel this morning is a far cry from the church that we gather in today. The ten or so disciples who were gathered in that upper room on that first Easter morning are a far cry from the grand and stately buildings and crowds of people who come to worship each week. And in between, there has been evolution after evolution, reformation after reformation. The church of Jesus Christ has gone from being a, a gathering of exclusively Jew, Jewish disciples to a church that welcomed the Gentile believers, which enabled the gospel to spread around the world. It went from being house churches to churches that gathered in places like this, in cathedrals and buildings of great grandeur and stature. We've gone from Latin masses to English or vernacular services spoken in the language of the people so that the people may hear the word and understand. We've gone from organs to bands. All kinds of different changes have happened throughout the years. And each of them has caused the church to be reflective. But this one found cornerstone remains. Regardless of what the packaging is, the Jesus who we encounter in worship is real. As we come out of this pandemic and look toward the future, we are looking to new realities and new possibilities. And some of them we haven't even gotten our heads around yet. But what will it look like as the, to be the church as we return in our worship services? What will it mean to be drawn together once more? Because that's an important part. How will we continue to worship, uh, or to, to meet the ministry needs of people who worship with us out there in the great unknown of the internet? We're so pleased to have them. And they are members of our own congregations, people who, who, who have uh, been with us here and who have either stepped taken a time away from worship to uh, ensure that they remain healthy or they are people who were shut in and who could not get out on a regular basis but today they do what a blessing that has been but we also minister to people who maybe grew up in this congregation or who grew up in Cornwall and have moved all over the world and they're right there down the barrel of that camera 
and we preach to them every week. And we're thrilled. I'm thrilled. We're thrilled that they're here every week to worship with us. And there are people who have no history of faith, no connection to this building or any place else, who join us in worship, who are seeking to discover what it means to, to make that confession that Jesus Christ is real. And we welcome them too. Where are we going as a church? It remains to be the mystery that will unfold for us well, at least if the pandemic was two years, it's going to be at least two years before we'll figure it out. Maybe even longer. Maybe some churches never will. But it's our responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ to be seeking always new ways to proclaim the gospel, to let people know who Jesus is, that Jesus came into this world to die for their sins, and that all that happened on that weekend of Good Friday to Easter was real, just as we have experienced it. And so, as we look forward over the next little while, one of the things that as a congregation, we need to be engaged in, in discussion. And certainly it will be a place where I will be putting a fair amount of, of, of time. will be in how do we minister to people in a new way, in a virtual way. How will we make better use of things like websites and, and uh, Facebook pages? And don't even get me started on our website because it's, it's, we have not made good use of it. and <laughs> It needs help. But it's going to get it. Um, but all these things are part of our calling to be the church. And so this is an invitation. It's an invitation to those who join us each week to reassure themselves of that basic knowledge that Jesus is real. To come and to, to learn more about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ and to place our trust in God who is our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer in all of life. But it's also an invitation for us to imagine new ways to be the church. To explore, to experiment, to find ways that we can gather together both as, as people in this building and people beyond this building. And make the make known to the world the reality of our faith all of these things are coming 